0: Welcome to The Real Zodiac, a film retrospective podcast dedicated to reminding or introducing you to some of the most iconic films of all time, stirring up memories of ones you forgot or wish you could forget, and every film in between. Your hosts will be your tour guides and sometimes companions along this journey down the rabbit hole. Be warned, though, there will be blood Guts, more than a few bullet casings, love, Aww. despair, tears of joy, and cries of agony. Some from the host themselves, because some of these movies will make them wonder why did they choose these movies. Good luck, oh, and of course, enjoy the ride. Neo-Tokyo is about to explode. Streamlined Pictures presents a state-of-the-art adventure, Akira. Hey guys, and welcome to The Real Zodiac. We are back. I am Quentin. I am one of your hosts, and with me as always is the lovely Amanda.
1: Hey, 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 how are um,
0: you guys? Oh, fabulous, fabulous. And <laughs> usually, you know, we kind of run the gambit and just talk a little bit, but I want to go ahead and get our guest on here right away. So uh, before I do introduce our guest, we are in our sci-fi we are doing three films uh this month and they're all pretty they're all pretty different i would say in realms of sci-fi i think it's mm-hmm. kind of we're getting a lot of genres subgenres in this main genre and i don't know about you but i'm super excited and we have some really great guests to come on so i want to go ahead and bring on our first guest for this film and today we are going to be discussing Akira with the one, the only Dan Heppner. The one and only.
2: Ah, oh, thank you very much, man.
0: I I seriously don't know anybody like you. So you are definitely <laughs> the one and only. So Absolutely and unique. Yeah, I, I think it's also good to go ahead and say that Dan and Amanda know each other pretty well, because I think you guys have a little side project, right? I mean, I know that this is. Amanda's main focus, right? Uh, uh, so yeah. <laughs> yep. no, But you guys have your own podcast, and I kind of want you to go ahead and tell the folks what that is. Well, Amanda, since you're on that show as
2: well, why don't you do that?
1: Oh, man, I was going to try to make you do it. Um, yep. No, it's a <laughs> leftover Army Monsters podcast where we talk about all things kaiju. So all of the monster movies, Godzilla, yes, King Kong, all that fun stuff. Yep. And And, sometimes large testicle animated things.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's a podcast that I just, I never knew would come to fruition until I like found it. I mean, that's kind of how I came to kind of see you, Dan and then Amanda and Eric and uh, Tiara, she's on it too. And Mm -hmm. you guys do such a realm of movies and just, Movies that I think nobody even, like, looks at, uh, you know, until they see your show or there's just a very, like, unique – I'm going to use that word again – unique, like, niche in that genre and you guys hit it on the head. I mean, there's just nothing like your podcast. I'm serious
2: i would say not only do we cover movies that most people don't even look at they are not even aware that there's a shelf way in the back of the store that exists that has these on it you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. you're right oh, and yeah. you're just you're uncovering it man because i know amanda this that's kind of like your introduction to it all too
3: mm-hmm yep hundred um, because
0: yeah because uh, i I don't know if I'm I'm wrong in saying this, but you didn't really watch any Godzilla films until this, right?
1: Um, I had to Google the word kaiju when Dan put put his uh request out there.
0: That's amazing. Like, <laughs> what is
1: what is kaiju film? What does that mean?
2: Which is funny, because one of the two <laughs> things you'd seen before was Pacific Rim, which kind of westernized the Japanese mm-hmm. word for most audiences. Now obviously fans like myself already knew the terminology. But it put that out there in a big, bad way for a more general audience. And that was one of the two movies you'd seen before the podcast. Funny, Mm -hmm. of course, you still had to look it up.
1: Oh, yeah. I still had to look it up. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I watched that, like, I think in the theaters.
2: They also give you a definition of it on text at the
0: very beginning of the movie. Yep. First thing. Yep. That that and Jaeger. I I remember seeing that film and I thought. Yeah, I I remember
1: the word Jaeger, but. Yeah. yeah, but not not probably because do.
2: you think of it because of Jägermeister.
1: That is probably 100% true. <laughs> yeah. Of course, um,
2: German for hunter, and of course Jägermeister,
0: master hunter. That's right. Mm. That's right, and that's how you feel whenever you drink some. So anyway, that's not how I feel.
1: <laughs> oh goodness!
0: You could take oh, over goodness.
2: the world. No, I want to crawl into a dumpster
0: and die. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get out of that. Um, I do want to say that this it's kind of cool because I feel like there's like a blending here Mm -hmm. um, because (laughs) we have the film that we're discussing today is one of your favorites, Stan, or just something that like you really enjoy kind of kind of go upon more with why we're reviewing Akira today.
2: So this movie is incredibly important in the cinematic landscape. It's often in every conversation of one of the top 10 best animated films of all time. It basically almost on its own created the subgenre of steampunk, which we've all seen in various things from animation and, you know, cosplayers at conventions and so forth. And it also uh exposed western audiences to anime really for the first time and made it paved the way for anime to be a global entertainment uh genre as opposed to just being a japanese entertainment genre which is why we have every major city has an anime convention of some kind and again you go to comic-con or c2e or whatever you see anime cosplay characters all over the place as well this movie is why people watch anime in the U S and the world at large is because of this
0: movie. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this, Dan, but I've had numerous, numerous, numerous people tell me to check out, uh, different anime films or movies. I'm sorry, uh, films or shows. And it's, I'm just going to be straight with you. It's not that I don't think anime is good because I know that, Anime is a very important part of our culture, even here in the Western audience. But like <clears throat> the the closest I think that I've gotten to anime is Dragon Ball Z. You know, growing sure. up, that's what that's what I watch. And I don't even consider that. I mean, it, it is anime, but like it just became one of the most popular and overdubbed series uh, I feel in you know, like, for American television. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? No, it's definitely
2: the most recognizable. Like, I would say the three things, at least nowadays, that are most recognizable anime-wise to a global audience are Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, and currently uh, My Hero Academia. And all three of those yes. are done by Funimation slash Shonen Jump. Shonen right. Jump is the... Uh, distributor of the manga, the actual written, the, the comic version, if you will, and everything. Yeah, and the yeah. animates are obviously adapted, and I believe all three of those are done by Funimation.
0: So would you say that without Akira, we wouldn't have the popularity of Dragon Ball Z and all that because of just what this film did? Because this came out in 1988, am I correct?
2: Right, this came out in 88. Um, th- th- It's hard to say for sure because Dragon Ball Z is... Like you, it's so ubiquitous nowadays and everything. I feel like it would still have eventually gotten there to where it is now. It probably would have just maybe taken longer, but this definitely opened the door for. But well, it's what I first one of the first animes I ever saw was this movie. I was like ten or eleven years old, which it affected me for sure. We'll get there How? eventually, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, but age I can't 10 imagine. watching this, what the hell? Well. <laughs>
2: Like you know, I I was exposed to one or two other things beforehand, and mostly from my osmosis through the kaiju genre, little bits of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I was aware of certain other things, and I'd seen little bits because like uh, MTV uh, uh, around like the early '90s, uh, late at night on like Fridays around midnight would have like Liquid Television or whatever, oh, shit, and they would yeah. have. Yeah, and you had like Aeon Flux in Aeon there Flux. and the Max, Oh I totally,
1: which, I are totally very,
2: which are very anime in their own way. And then they'd have like the midnight anime thing where you'd have like Galaxy Express nine 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 and like I've seen mm-hmm. one or two bits of that here or there. And also like just watching cartoons as a kid in the late eighties, early nineties, you know I mean we've it's all totally noticed had a lot of stuff. Oh, no, I'm talking about, like, the toyetic ones of, the like, the Reagan era of, like, okay. you know, your He-Man and your Silverhawks and your Transformers and your G.I. Joes and, like, all these things where, like, the opening intro is way more detailed and dynamic than the actual show ends up being at times because they put so much budget in, but they also would put those out to like an anime studio. Like the mm-hmm. main the main animation for the show itself is usually done by a Korean uh, studio, but then they would actually hire out to like Japanese studios to do the intros themselves. Cause they wanted to make it as like catchy in the 30, 40 seconds of the intro as possible and everything. So I had, because of that, I kind of had an idea, but this is really what opened it up. And then shortly after this was uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion and Dragon Ball Z and, then a couple of years later, uh, Cartoon Network with the Toonami run, seeing things like Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star, Tenshi Muyo, Gundam Wing, and so forth. So, but this really started it all in many different ways. I very much am prototypical for that time frame of like, hey, this exposed the Western world to anime. It also mostly exposed me to it. Mm-hmm. Man,
0: that this is perfect. I, <clears throat> I mean, obviously without you getting on here dan there's no way that i personally would have ever seen this film um so i'm gonna go ahead and tell the folks here like this is my first time seeing this film uh what about you amanda
1: oh this is my first time too i'm kind of a little bit surprised but not as well but um i'm just surprised that i hadn't seen it on um just as a kid growing up just on any of the networks that showed a lot of this stuff right um and I, I tried even watching it and I was like, maybe I've seen part of it. Maybe I've seen bits and pieces, but no.
2: There's I, imagery that's very iconic. Yeah, there's stuff seen it Like conventions of C2E to have like a poster of like the movie poster of kind of walking up to his bike and everything. It's a pretty iconic mm-hmm. shot. That bike itself is one of the most iconic things of it to the point where we've yeah. all watched Ready Player One, right? The movie. Right. Yeah. The, the bike that Artemis has the mm-hmm. race at the beginning, that's this bike
1: that's kind of what i figured i was like okay there's gonna be points of reference for sure
2: Yeah, yeah this this bike is one of the most iconic things out of the movie
0: and that's crazy to me to just even think of because yeah before seeing this film i knew nothing about the cult following and i knew nothing about just not even the cult following just like the the big following um Amanda, when we put that we were going to be doing this film along with our other two films, my I had three people text me and say, dude, we're going to be listening to this because we love Akira. And oh, I'm just cool. like, what the hell? You know, like, I just didn't expect <laughs> that. And they said, make sure to text us right after you're done because they, they just they want to know how I felt about it. And like I said, I mean, we're going to get into it. Obviously, this isn't
1: this is, the uh, um, who uh, there was? possibly going to be a remake of this or a newer adaptation from taika watiti right
2: there's been talks about a live action american or hollywood made akira movie for many many years and it's one of those things that's never gotten off the ground and you know there's there's a little bit more chance of it happening well initially when the ghost in the shell live action with scar joe happened but then after the backlash of that uh, i think probably not
0: I don't but, think it should. I, I seriously don't I, because of that. Ghost in the Shell is a perfect example of it not working.
2: And first of all, to be perfectly honest, like there's I don't think anything anime should ever be adapted to like a Hollywood live action. It's just not a translatable thing. There's cultural differences, the style in animation versus live action. And even though now with like CG and everything, you can make it look fantastic and make it look amazing, but there's just it doesn't work the same way. And it's something I've always been against is taking iconic bits. It's for me, it's like remaking jaws of a, like you just don't fucking do it for a number. Mm-hmm. Of reasons. Yeah. And I, also, I can, you wouldn't be able to call it Akira. I think because, uh, Akira, one of the things, the reason it's called that in the quote unquote, titular character is named that just a little tidbit. Akira is like the Japanese version of John. It's like an extremely common name. Amanda, (laughs) you should recognize that because think about this. Just in Godzilla movies alone, three iconic Akira's Akira Ifukube, the original composer, Akira Takarada, actor, Akira Kubo, actor. Like, Akira is
1: definitely one of
2: those. (laughs) If they were going to remake it, they should just call it Steve.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It kind of makes me chuckle, too, because uh, just like when I Googled, Googled this movie, just to get like the info and the the stats and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and here here in Kansas City we have a uh, salon and day spa called Akira, where it's like, yep. yep. So yeah, I might have to go get a facial
2: from Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kitty. oh man, Kitty. do you want <laughs> Do you want to rephrase? I'm gonna give you a chance on everybody's back. Do you want to rephrase? I'm going to have to go get a facial from Steve.
1: <laughs>
3: you know what? I will,
2: too. i going
1: to go to Steve you know to get a facial. <laughs> Not from no, but Steve. Just, but... Right. <laughs> John. Okay, whatever. No, maybe, I'm kidding. Maybe it's Stefan. Stefan, maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> but no, it just, yeah, that gave me a good chuckle. And I was like, uh, yeah, nope. I don't know if I'd ever go to that salon now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I got to ask, um, Dan, you said you saw this at a pretty young age. I mean, did you how did you stumble upon this?
2: Um, I mean, it's one of those things. Uh, comic book store it's like the local comic book store by me. It's how I got into a lot of things. We were collecting me and two friends. We were collecting the Neon Genesis Evangelion VHS is from there two years later or so slowly over time it's where i got into warhammer 40k like that that comic store uh in homewood was pretty substantial in a lot of different ways and also like just you know my friends back then still to this day even like we're we're still anime fans most of us are to certain different levels of extent i've fallen off a little bit one of my friends has really fallen off of it but like we just all kind of had this shared common stuff because we also you know Played like the original uh, uh, Final Fantasy on Super Nintendo or whatever and Shining Force 2. And like if we were always in this kind of atmosphere that it was an easy thing to be like, oh, well, this looks interesting. I wonder what this is. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> I like that. No, that's good. I mean, it's it's interesting because like in 19, you know, just around that time, you're not looking at that stuff in terms of somebody reviewing it on the internet you know like you're finding it on your own and creating this love for it not from an outside source you know yeah and i think that that helps with the
2: old school stumbling upon something Mm -hmm. as opposed to seeing something online and then seeking it out be like oh i'm curious now right
1: i love that i don't know how many movies or stuff that i was introduced to just through friends where they had recorded it not legally onto a vhs tape but, <laughs> but man yeah, that right. doesn't happen nowadays at all
2: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. there's no need I to mean, mm-hmm. i mean and like also back in the day it was like going to the local video store what's a blockbuster family video whatever and like i would just peruse the sci-fi and horror areas mostly the sci-fi and just be like huh that has an interesting cover let's take a gamble
0: right And a gamble you did. I mean, let's go ahead and get into this film because there's something in here, Dan, that immediately makes me. Every time I see it, it makes me think of you. Um, Toho. Yeah, the very first thing you see. (laughs) Yep. I was like, (laughs) the
1: first thing I saw was, oh, God, it's Toho.
0: (laughs) I like. I'm trying to say this in a loving way, but I almost like rolled my eyes because like, oh, of course, here we are. You know, (laughs) (laughs) look, I got a me. okay? so (laughs) no, I'm kidding. But I'm serious. Like, I just I knew right away what I was in store for, because, I mean, we've talked so much off air about these Godzilla films and everything, and I, I – look, I tell you, I'm plan on getting back into it so that I can finish it out and say that I've seen almost every Godzilla film. Um, but I think I just hit a wall because I was just – I was taking in so much Godzilla suit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but like I said, I'll get back to it and I'd still love to do that that episode just hey, where you and time, I have to talk man. about when it. You
2: get there, when you get there, you get there and we'll take care of it and we'll cover it then at that point in time. And the exactly. funny thing is I was thinking, you know, I it took me that's why, you know, I hit you up. I'm like, hey, is there still a slot open for the sci-fi one? You're like, Yeah. You're like, What do you want to cover? I'm like, give me a minute. And I had to think for a second. I actually went downstairs <laughs> and perused all my physical media. So I was like my go-to would be doing something in my kaiju library that's not, like, directly a monster, like something more sci-fi, like the Mysterians or, you know, Battling Iron Space or something like that. But I'm like, I'm not going to do something that we've already covered on the show because Amanda might not want to do it to revisit it. And I don't want to have her first time seeing one of these movies that mm. we're going to cover on the show, not me for the show. So I'm like, all right, get away from that shelf. Go over here. What do I got over here? It's, it's, We're gonna the, go hit the side uh, shelf. Of course,
0: there we go. <laughs> well, I do have to ask, um, Amanda, did you watch this subbed or dubbed?
1: Um, both. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: you did more than I did. I I just watched <laughs> the dubbed, um, just because I knew it'd just be easier for me just to like watch it all the way through and everything. I was planning on watching it su- watching it subbed, but. I just had a really busy week, so I just – I put it on, and I just focused all my attention on uh, the dubbed one. And so I'm curious, maybe just in terms of dialogue or whatever, um, if there's that much of a difference. But, um, um,
1: yeah, it's like for me, just a, getting kind of a, just a one through with both, uh, I felt like the dub was pretty pretty equal to good. the subtitled. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like there was a, cause you know, I've had, you know, some experience with watching some terrible, terrible dubs, but I felt like this was, yeah. the voices <laughs> were good. Um, I felt like I didn't, I didn't notice anything that was like too like bizarre or weird or, you know, not, not horrible voices or anything like that or obscure.
2: Well, I'll say there's one or <laughs> two really weird some of the the minor characters and so forth, but that's how it always has been. Mm -hmm. So for the record, I watched it dubbed because that's how I first saw it. For me, foreign movies, you know, especially like older anime and everything, a lot of it, the first time I watched it was dubbed. And so that's just the default now for me. For me, this kind of stuff is always, whatever language I watched it in first is my go-to default, except for Godzilla movies usually. And this was dubbed, and so I always watch a dub. But it's also because, like, I know almost all of these voice actors for the dub in here because they've all done a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, that's, just, that's Amanda, what I was. Amanda, our lead character Kaneda, he's da- He's voiced by Johnny Young Bosch, Adam, the second Black Ranger in Power Rangers. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but he's gone on to have a very extreme, prolific voice acting career. He's played things, like you know, he's done Vash the Stampede in Trigon, a very famous anime. He, like, he's uh, he's uh, the main character in Bleach, uh, which is a really big anime, also done by Shonen Jump. Like, uh, he's done, he has a very extensive voice acting career, and this is some of his earlier stuff. And I always pick him out instantaneously. But then, like, Tetso's the voice actor, Joshua Seth, I know him. Uh, Kay's the voice actor, Wendy Lee, I know her, I know Jameson Price, Michael Ruff. Michael Lindsay, Robert Axelrod, who uh, specifically played uh, Shima- Shimizaki. He also, he was Lord Zed in Power Rangers and a bunch of other monsters as well. So like I know this is voice cast front to back from tons of stuff growing up of dubs of like Digimon and Big O and like all kinds of stuff. So like these, this is hearing these voices is comforting as like, I know all these people, and for the record, I have watched it, the Japanese version before. Uh, it and it, yeah, it's the as you were saying, Amanda, the the dialogue and everything is pretty equal one to one, mostly not one to one like directly, but like you're getting the same point across, and they're not like doing yeah, the Pokemon it's not thing. Super,
1: yeah, it's not, not super the Pokemon, bizarre or weird.
2: Yeah, you're not doing the Pokemon thing of like them eating a rice ball and be like, this burger is delicious. I'm not getting any of that, so. <laughs>
0: Uh, All right. Well, <clears throat> let's go ahead and dive into this. Um, is there anything else we should know before we do start the film here, or do you are you good with just diving right in?
2: Um. Well, a small little bit of extra background uh, with production of it. Uh, so it is based off a of manga, a 2000 page manga, which I'll get into it when I can. But there are some very big differences uh, in, uh, later on and so forth. Um, and also the budget, the the uh, you, you see at the beginning where it says like the Akira committee, uh, it was a partnership of m- several major entertainment uh, com- uh, companies Uh Katanasa, Manichi Broadcasting, Bandai, Hokkaido, Toho, Laserdisc, and the Sumitomo. Uh, and the initial budget was 1.1 billion yen. It ended up being 700 million yen, which is about five 5.5 million dollars budget for the movie.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I mean, I don't. the The only thing is, I don't do a lot of research for animated animated films. Um, just because I'm not watching them all the time. I don't watch a lot of animated films. I mean, if they're they're on, I'll watch it, But I'm not, like, as hardcore and looking stuff up. Is $5.5 million, I mean, like, is that a good budget for an animated film? Or at has the time, it only gotten more?
2: At the time, and for a long time, it was the highest costing budget for an animated movie ever.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to see what um, to kind of compare it to more
2: modern age like Disney and Pixar stuff have obviously had higher budgets especially obviously Pixar stuff or whatever but yeah it at the time it was the and again for a while the highest uh budget for an animated feature of all time perfect
0: okay um so I want you to go ahead and kind of run through these characters real quick um just not even you know not even just for me but like maybe just to so just so we can start getting the names down and ringing them through so that it's it's kind of easier for everybody to follow.
2: OK, so you just want me to like run down some names for you real quick?
0: Yeah, just the characters like the the main characters and everything.
2: OK, so the two main characters really are uh, Kaneda Shotaro. Uh, he's the one with the jacket with the pill on his back and the bike. Uh, and then we have Tetsuo Oshima. he's the one who becomes the antagonist, if you will, for the movie. Uh, there's Kay, she's the one who's part of the anti-government infiltration uh, team that ends up with Kaneda through circumstances. You have Colonel Shikishima, who is the main military guy who's kind of in charge of all this stuff with like the Akira committee and all that, whatnot. And that's really most of them. And then you have some uh, secondary characters like Kaori, who is uh, Tetsuo's at the time girlfriend, Yamagata and Kai, who are just other members of the bike gang that Kaneda and Tetsuo are part of. Gotcha. And then and then you have uh, Kyoko, Takashi, and Masaru, who are the what are the the children, quote unquote, numbers 25, 26, and 27, who are also referred to as the Espers
1: the s spurs creepy zombie babies
0: yeah <laughs> we'll get into that please um <clears throat> so yeah i'm just gonna say this right now and this isn't to like deter my views or my rating of this film but man this is a weird fucking film
3: totally. Hell in, yeah. a,
0: in a great way though <laughs> i think the way it starts out and <clears throat> the something i love about films like these the animation can get as wild as it wants. And um, you're not really questioning it in, in terms of like how you would look at it in a live action film. Um, everything that we see in this film, like it, uh, even just Neo Tokyo, I love how lived in it feels, you know, and it's it's weird because a lot of things that you see nowadays with CGI, I mean, it just, it all looks way too shiny and glossy. And so going back to something where this is almost in the in the early 90s, late 80s, just the design of everything, it didn't look too simple. You know, like it looked like it had some, you know, it, it what's the word I'm looking for? It's just it looks lived in and it's
2: dirty and grungy. grungy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it's it's the difference. I'll give you a good example. It's the difference between uh, Star Wars prequel trilogy versus original trilogy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the animation itself looks stellar. I'm going to tell you right now, this film had amazing, amazing animation. Um, the, They did such a great job. They made everything look so good. And you will not hear me complain about how this film looks in any way. Yeah. Um,
2: for the record, more than one hundred and sixty thousand animation cells.
0: Yeah, I could I believe that easily. They took their time with it. I, I felt like. Like it didn't look, you know, sim- like I said, it didn't look simple or very cheaply made. And um it, it just it, the the premise of the film reminds me a lot of Blade Runner. That's what mm-hmm. like kind of had me in throughout this whole film was that it was like a Asian, uh, culturistic, uh, Blade Runner. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And, uh, the, the, the manga for Akira came out in 1982, started in 1982. So then, because Blade Runner, correct me if I'm wrong, was that 84 or was that 82? I can't remember off the top of my head now, but like, there there's a lot of influence. This this movie in so many different ways has influenced a lot of like sci-fi genre because a lot of like sci-fi filmmakers saw this, went, holy shit, that looks like you said, it's it's beautiful, but disgusting. Because it's so dirty and grungy and just like Neo Tokyo looks like a shithole.
0: Yeah. No, you don't oh, want to yeah. hang out there at night. No. Like well, it's kind of,
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, uh, it blew up. Okay. Maybe it needed to happen. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we start off the film with what looks like an atom bomb, you know, yep. and we're led to believe that it was that it was, it was that. Um, and it, like, it would kind of with the world war three and everything and just, yeah, it had you believe that, and the fact that what we're seeing in the beginning ties into the end is just magnificent. That is one thing that I really appreciate with this film. Um, we're obviously going to be in, in full spoilers uh, for everybody, so just knowing that. Yeah, if you haven't checked this film out, before, for the record, before you to this.
2: this the incident of the destruction of original Tokyo in 1988 is what triggers World War III in this universe because everybody thought it was, you know. Most people, aside from the people who fucking knew, thought it was an atom bomb. And that's what uh, started World War Three, more or less. Yeah.
0: It. I don't know. Like, it just... And from what we see later on, I mean, it's just insane how it all ties back. But, um. yeah. yeah so, Dan, what do you want to hit first, man? Um,
2: that's a good question. That's a very good question. So... I mean, we've talked a little bit about the animation and everything, but there's so much you can talk about. Like the some of the animation stuff, I think is the best bits of it is some of the like incidental environmental effects that do of like when the colonel's first going, when we're first seeing him going to where they're keeping Akira uh, under the Olympic Stadium, and like when they're opening door, you're seeing like the ice layers that have built up on the door because it's all cryo frozen and everything and you're seeing that break off and everything to seeing their breath there and like all these the smoke effects and everything all these little bits and pieces of like really detailed animation that continues throughout this entire movie from beginning to end is just most anime like most anime obviously is done on a budget and it has to be pumped out rapidly because it's a week by week thing right but this is a movie so it's obviously very different and it's what i think is the difference a lot of people are daunting like they find it trying to get into anime daunting because there's you know you look at the most popular things again dragon ball z naruto bleach one piece case closed uh my hero academia and all these have like And My Hero Academia is currently ongoing and already has, like, well over 100 episodes. But all the ones I mentioned have, like, 500-plus episodes. And you look at that and go, I'm not even going to fucking start that, right? Right. But there's things like this and the original Ghost in the Shell movie or Vampire Hunter D or even, like, Ninja Scroll. And it's, like, it's just a movie standalone by itself. And they have much higher detail and animation quality. And it really is the difference between, like, watching Transformers, the original show, and then watching the 86 animated movie of, like, oh, there's an incredible difference in detail and production value here. And it's all put on screen, and I love it. And, yeah, it's so fucking detailed. But all that kind of stuff aside, I mean, where do you guys want to start? Because I have a feeling this is going to, as we said off air before we started recording, this is going to turn into very much like an episode of, our show amanda where it's you guys have (laughs) questions and i will do my best to answer said questions
0: (laughs) um what about you amanda is there any place that really sticks like what's a scene that you can kind of see as the reason why this film has become such a classic
1: um well just for me it's just kind of like the story itself because like uh first watching it like you kind of get um Canada, where I thought he was going to kind of be like the main character because yes I know this is the anime I was like oh he's like the the good looking guy you know like the the hero type kind of fit that that character you know um but then we get the story completely then just like throws me like off to the left uh where it's about Tetsuo and this the government and like weird science shit going on <laughs> to where it's like, I found it interesting that they kind of used um, Tetsuo's character for this where he was kind of like a uh, a little bit of like a, a douchebag to begin with, a little bit.
2: They're but all douchebags.
1: They're all douchebags, but I mean, on on a uh, what sort of grading scale you want to use, like he, he didn't seem like he would be the the main character, um, when you're first introduced, I thought he was just going to be a side character that we probably wouldn't see partway through the movie. So having him kind of be like this main focus kind of like threw me for a loop a little bit, and and it's just crazy that they take this character. He's kind of like a schmarmy, uh, you know, douchebag, and he gets like these abilities and these powers to where it's like. If you would have had like a character maybe that was a originally maybe better in nature like a little a little bit of a not so douche ish um what that could have done but it was just really interesting to see that sort of personality um transform with this character and to where he yeah like he had a grudge on his shoulder and yeah apparently if you have a grudge on your shoulder when you get superpowers that the chip on your shoulder gets like bigger and bigger and you just don't give two fucks about anybody
2: <laughs> i mean we've seen that a million times though i mean like any marvel movie you know in most comic book superhero movies the villain is some sort of foil or mirror image of some kind of the mm-hmm. hero character and it's a matter of One's raised well, the other one is a piece of shit, whether by circumstance or just has always been a piece of shit. And it's it's funny because like watching again this time, especially, it really made me think of like, yeah, you wouldn't want any of these people to have these powers, you know? It's a yeah, real zero. it's kind of what the fucking point overall mm-hmm. is. Uh, you That's know, kind overall, of what the overarching theme really is <laughs> about. Like, hey, once he again, because. Well, and again, because of course Japan always has a chip on their shoulder about, I don't know, messing with super sciences because they got nuked twice. Go figure they might have a unique perspective on the whole ordeal and whatnot. But it's always boils down to a lot of times like, hey, messing in God's domain, maybe we shouldn't do that because people kind of are fucking terrible. And especially, not just people, teenagers suck. We're full mm-hmm. of raw emotion, you know, they're full of raw emotion. I was there, you were there, Quentin, you were there, Amanda, we've all been there before, or some listeners might still be there. You, It's all raw emotion, and you think everything is so much more important to, than it really is, and you have no sense of perspective. You barely have real object permanence, to be fair, in some cases. And, you know, yeah. Put a fucking teenager who's had a hard life and is a fucking member of a bike gang who goes out at night fucking beating the shit out of other bike gangs in a fucking Uh, run-down city. And yeah, give this person near-omnipotent powers and see where the fuck that's going to go. Badly, weirdly enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Just even the introduction to the bike gang and just kind of like how this society has evolved from, you know, what it has said what what, 2019 so like oh that was some of the weird stuff too it's like post world war three um the aftermath of that and then it's like oh this is 2019 i was like "Eh, considering it's 2021 already far from this even without having a third world war
0: I mean, I mean, I don't see
2: cities. I don't see, city, I don't see <laughs> cities with cool, awesome pipes all over the fucking place for no goddamn reason. Yeah, so the architecture not, daughter, I'm not happy.
1: but but society. <laughs>
2: I was told the future in Blade Runner and this and a lot of anime. I was told the future was going to be this weird, crazy cyberpunky thing with all these tubes running all over the place. I don't get a fucking one goddamn tube except for the fucking internet, which is a qu- apparently a series of them. So I'm not satisfied. Aesthetically, the current civilization does not look cool enough.
1: (laughs) Dear world, give Dan tubes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Put
0: that on a T-shirt. Give Dan tubes.
2: More tubes. All the tubes. Useless
0: tubes. Big
2: tubes. Um, Small tubes. Red tubes. Blue tubes. All the tubes.
0: I want to get back to Tetsuo um, because anytime he was on screen, I was hooked. I was glued to it. I loved seeing this character's downfall um like i said to dan off air there's going to be some films that i compare this to i'm also going with brightburn like that Mm -hmm. that film and this film have a lot in common with the uh teenage angst kind of rivaling and being where it's at and just what happens in this film and what he becomes though is just something greater than i think any any one of us would have never realized um but seeing him on screen, seeing what he's become and just like his downfall, his whole arc is just mesmerizing to watch on screen.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah, because Brightburn, of course, is doing the whole. Well, what if Superman as a child was an asshole?
0: Right. Yeah, and we exactly.
2: Talked about that before with like Red Sun Superman. What if he fell in the Soviet Union during the Cold War and so forth? Right. And it's it's very much that it's. A statement of nature versus nurture, right? His nature, early Superman's nature is, of course, he's his Kryptonian, but it's the Kents that made him who he is and makes him a hero.
3: Hashtag Take away him. the
2: Kents and make him a <laughs> fucking street punk, and give him similar-esque powers, and yeah, not a good day for anybody.
0: Mm-mm. But um, yeah, there. Out of all the people and characters to watch, uh, Tetsuo was obviously, I think, the most interesting because with this, I mean, I didn't expect as much of the body horror as we got. And (laughs) it's it's rough. I mean, it's rough to watch some of it. But, I mean, like, it still looks aesthetically just what you expect, I guess. Like, I I wasn't – I mean, I was obviously like, holy cow, but I wasn't, you know – thinking that this doesn't fit in this you know like I think it just with what we were given with the story and the animation and just the characters that we're given with you could see this happening you know
2: yeah and especially you talk about his downfall and everything because yeah you know he's keep calling him a street punk and a bike gang member and everything, but, like, you know, they're all... And the city isn't exactly doing well, obviously, as we're seeing, like, anti-government protests constantly throughout the film, and there's riots breaking out, and people just setting off bombs all over the place. Like, it's a rough fucking place to be living, right? So, you know, you can't... It's not fully his fault. It's an environmental factor, and obviously the system failed him after his... uh, He was orphaned and whatever, right? But, like... Yeah, you see with the their opening fight with the clown gang in the streets and everything, you know, he's talked down to a bit by Kaneda and the others. And so clearly when he goes after when everybody else kind of stops and he goes after the remaining bike game members by himself, he's obviously trying to prove himself, right? To be like, hey, I'm strong, mm-hmm. I'm tough, I'm as good as any one of you, right? And then just because of happenstance, he runs into Takashi and... Fucking gets involved in all this and you know, victim of circumstance and everything. But he certainly the downfall is the fact that like he doesn't ever stop to take any of it in or really listen to what anybody's trying to say because he
1: never listens. Oh. Well, and it's
2: because of well, but look at we see the school that they're all at, right? You know, he's not there, he's in the hospital, but the fucking you know, the dean sitting there talking about stuff, and then the fucking. He's in force or whatever. is just punching all of them in the face. You're yeah, like, discipline, discipline. And you're like, <laughs> okay, this is a rough, like it's basically their high school is basically juvie. You right. know? So Pretty
1: much, like, yeah.
2: You know, it's certainly not an environment that's going to actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, grow good people out of it it's a system that's broke that's made there just to hold people there more or less i mean you know it is what it is but you know we we all know the failings of even in our world the education system and certain groups of people uh, impoverished the criminal record or whatever that once you fall into that you're never getting out of it right so i mean Tenso was doomed to just be in this kind of a life forever until what mm-hmm. happened happened and yeah, but because of that, he never stops and listens to what anybody has to fucking say. Like even the Espers, the three kids, and everything, he doesn't. He'll never listen to them. But to be fair, their way of approaching him wasn't exactly a open arms, hey, let's talk and uh, talk about what's going on with you. They approach him as fucking giant horror cars and teddy bears and shit,
1: spewing milk. Right. Which, thank goodness it was milk because obviously. My head was going other directions.
2: They're between eight and ten years old. (laughs) Come on
1: now. Oh, man. I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, don't don't do drugs and watch this movie. It might be bad. I have. Oh, God. No way. What was that
0: experience like?
2: uh well i mean i was very familiar with the movie already so i was okay but yeah probably don't do it your first time watching this <laughs>
1: yeah de- definitely don't definitely don't
2: <laughs> yeah no I, I was just seeing what else i would get out of it because i've uh, done that before with things like evangelion spoiler alert for when we cover that shortly here
1: uh, <laughs> what is it uh yeah it kind of even though i've never played the game or watched anything but like that uh weekend at freddy's that the young Five are. Freddy's, yeah. yes there we go that beard, that kind of gave me that that image a little bit. Also, oh,
2: definitely. See, also see the Nick Cage movie, Willie's Willy's Wonderland.
1: Oh, I still need to watch that. Oh, oh that movie
2: is one of the best movies of all time.
1: Yes. Oh, that's oh, awesome. <laughs>
0: You're ready to hear, folks. Dan approves. Oh, that movie is amazing. So let's talk about, um, I guess... The big thing that happens in this film that uh, we can kind of talk about is Tetsuo's, Tetsuo's, like, descent in terms of trying to escape with his uh, his girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. How do you say that name? Kaori? Uh, Kaori. Kaori. And, you know, like, he goes, he gets ambushed by the clowns, and, you know, like, Tetsuo is just horrible. Like, he is so done with being treated like shit. And then he starts getting these intense headaches and hallucinations. And, like, everything from there is just, like, brought up to an 11. Um, just, like, even at the hospital and everything, like, you can tell that something has snapped in him. And, like, comparing who he was at the beginning and then i mean even later on when he goes back to that uh that bar or whatever where he's asking for those pills yeah. and like he's smiling and laughing you know cuz he knows that he's he's in the dark side you know and it's just amazing how well they can develop a character like like this you know um i just got to give my hats off to the animation and just the the way that they portray these characters and they did such a good job and this film's not even that long it's like what less than two hours
2: it's two hours
1: yeah right yeah Mm -hmm.
2: and there's some really good stuff of foreshadowing like the first time when uh yeah he gets ambushed with when he takes kanada's bike and goes off the cowrie gets ambushed by the clowns, and then after he's, like, beaten, but then he gets rescued, and he's beating the shit out of the one, right, and he starts walking away. The two things that he sees as a hallucination is, first, he sees, like, the city crumbling around him, and then, like, the ground crumbles along his shadow, and then he goes up to him, and he's crumbling apart, and then he falls in, and then he sees his guts, all of his innards come out, and he's trying to desperately put him back in. It's all a hallucination. But that's both, those are two great bits of foreshadowing of, like, as the city is going to be destroyed with him because he falls apart. And then the body horror, the really fucking fucked up body horror that happens at the end and everything is foreshadowed there as well. So very good bits of foreshadowing what's to come in short order here as the very, as the very first inclinations of his power is starting to manifest. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, uh, just watching just that first bit, um, Where his body is crumbling apart, how like we've all had those like dreams where like your teeth
2: are
1: falling out or crumbling out of your mouth. It was kind of kind kind of gave me that same creepy vibe. So I thought that was, I mean, easily relatable even though it was like a a hallucination.
2: And by context, you understand what it is later on in the movie mm-hmm. because the female Esper, the young girl, Kyoko, her whole thing is about precognitive ability and seeing the future. She talks about the dream that the city is going to be destroyed and many thousands of people will die. We'll see Akira again and so forth. And that's his, his very first real manifestation of power is, through those two little hallucinations, precognitive ability and seeing what's going to happen. But he has no way of knowing what that means. Right. So Later on, via context, we get the understanding of it and everything. And if you're watching it, you're either keen enough or you've watched enough times, so you can piece those two bits together.
0: Right. I and another thing I'm going to commemorate is uh, the pacing in this film. Like there, everything that happens, I mean, it just it's so well. And I don't think any scene that we that we watch needs to be cut out. I think that with the time that they give us with almost each character and just each uh, character arc that we see, I think it's just done really well throughout the whole film. And, you know, you kind of see the struggle with Kaneda and um, Tetsuo's friendship in the beginning, just with how Tetsuo is and just how Kaneda is. And then, like, to the point where he says later on, the only people that are going to kill him are us. You know, we don't want anybody else to hurt him. Like, if he needs to go out, we we are the ones that need to take care of that. And yeah, it's a really, like, I'm not trying to go too much ahead, but the fight between Kaneda and Tetsuo, I mean, I was dude, I was just sitting there like, holy shit, what is going to happen the entire time?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it, it often, like, you look at it in hindsight, like, man, Kaneda is just like, he's sticking his nose in a place that he has no business being in many ways. And, like, clearly he's outmatched, but it's just the emotional connection that gives him enough to, like, not just be murdered like anybody else in this movie he gets murdered by Tetsuo. and like, Gotta it, be it, super murdered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, he should be in about 80 billion pieces on multiple occasions, but he just happens to luck out because the emotional connection gives him just enough to, like, lower tetsuo's defense enough to not get killed and whatnot um but like and i also i really i've always understood their relationship because it is very much like oh you know as we see by the ending again jumping ahead a little bit of like hey how they first met and everything and they're both you know newcomers to a school that everybody picks on them and so forth and whatnot right and i mean keep in mind that's well past the original uh, Akira incident in World War 3. It's all the post-war era of World War 3 and whatnot. So it, it helps in context to just think about that. Like, wow, yeah, kids will still be kids. Even after something like that, people are fucking shitty. But, you know, there's always, like, yeah, I I, for a long time, had that with a group of friends where it's like, there's clearly the leader of the group of friends, and you always feel like not the leader or like the one of the it's it's the thing of like ah i'm clearly like one of the goons and not like the leader or even like the like one of the trusted elite people right he always that's clearly felt like he was always just like part of the group as opposed to like a member of the group Mm -hmm. you know with like his own place and his own standing he was just kind of there he always that was his feeling always and whatnot and so you know as he's getting this power he says it multiple times to kaneda about like the role reversal of like how does it feel to be weak and helpless this time now huh or you know you don't need to be doing the saving anymore i'll be doing that so if you're ever in trouble just ask buddy
1: and that's what i said like in the in the beginning that's how i felt just observing that character and having him be the one that gets this power and stuff i mean well done i mean like that's well written so i can't imagine how much more in depth that is with the manga
2: it's very much a, a take on the whole, like, power fantasy thing, right? Of, like, mm-hmm. oh, you feel misunderstood, no one gets you, or, like, you're weak and helpless. And then to give that person, you know, extreme power to dominate everybody around them, right? And it's like, all right, are you going to use her responsibly
0: or are you going to do this? Yeah, I I find it interesting. Like, let's just, let's do this. Let's kind of imagine, what would it be like if the roles were reversed and Kaneda was the one that got the powers?
2: I mean, I think it would still be a bad situation. Maybe not as bad,
0: but it ain't going to be good. Okay. Okay. I. It makes me wonder just where would, where would the characters, I guess, in terms of, you know, his gang... I mean, do you think they would still stick by him in terms... I mean, I just... I can't... I, Oh, go ahead. Mm,
1: and I hear I kind of hear what you're saying. I feel like if it was uh Canada then he maybe would have taken a minute to listen. I think his buddies would have stood by him a little bit more and he would have been maybe more cocky but not um angry and frustrated.
2: Yes, you know. definitely. I mean, yeah, cuz because Tetsuo never felt like a true member mm-hmm. of the group and everything. He's constantly trying to, you know, you know, the first time he gets out of the hospital, what does he do? He goes, sees his girlfriend and then steals kind of his bike and tries to just run away. Right. Mm-hmm. of on the other hand, would have, you know, he would have come back as like looking like the conquering hero. Right. And would have been like, right. no, we're going to we're going to take over all the fucking ter- turf territory. You know, we're going to go eliminate all the clowns. We're then going to do this. We're then going to do that. But I feel like ultimately the problem would still be the the physical and mental deterioration of the character. Less just fucking blind rage all over the place, but definitely would not be a good, happy ending by any stretch. Nope, nope. It would not have had a happily ever after ending, for
1: sure. (laughs) But that's my question, too, is, like, like, I know um, Tetsuo has the interaction, and then, like, the government takes him and everything, but how... um, Because I haven't watched this, you know, multiple times and still just trying to process it. But so how does he get like the mental connection with Akira and get the powers and abilities? Like, I felt like I missed some of that explanation.
2: It's a bit complicated. So I will do my best here to explain it one moment. Mm -hmm. There we go. Had to get that out. So, as when uh, Kay and Kaneda are in the cell talking and she's... And basically Kyoko, the Esper girl, is talking through her. And there she's talking about, like, you know, all the potential energy in people and everything, right? And, like, life forms and how we build all this stuff. Where does all that energy come from? The idea of the, con- the conservation of mass and energy, right? So the what we're supposed to believe is that this a certain level of psychic potential is there in everybody every human being has a layer of potential but the three that are the three surviving espers the three kids their you know their potential is pretty much maxed out i.e. i could have even from a young rate, age trained as hard as i could i would never have the physical and athletic ability of a lebron james you know like there's just certain genetics of like well i'm not going to ever be six foot eight or whatever and be able to fucking dunk on a motherfucker i just that's not in me so the varying levels of psychic potential in each person are varying so it just so happens that Tetsuo has this level of ability locked within him potentially okay And it's the it's the interaction with Takashi getting his bike blown up in front of him, that extreme burst of psychic energy that Takashi had to use in order to stop a, you know, 100 plus mile an hour speeding motorbike flying at him and then exploding it inches from him and not getting hurt. That uh, usage of psychic energy. Plus then, if you notice, when right after that accident, And they take back Takashi, and then they take Tetsuo with him on the helicopter. What do they fly right over? The Olympic construction site. Yep,
1: the Olympic site.
2: Where Akira is being held underneath. So it was the raw usage of uh, psychic energy kind of unlocked the door, and then being right over Akira, kind of like triggered more of it
1: all all the lines crossed at the right at the right time
2: yeah it's basically like okay. you know like uh uh spirituality with like ley line connections and everything kind of a thing and uh, akira is basically like a nexus point
1: okay oh it's a nexus event
2: <laughs> <laughs> kind oh, of sorry <laughs> yes everything just happened to circumstantially hit at the right or wrong way at the time.
1: Hmm. okay I didn't know if it was either way it's like I didn't know if it was that simple or that complicated which is kind of both but yeah, I kind of thought that but it wasn't I didn't feel like it was from what I had watched wasn't fully explained because there's just so much happening in this movie like it's just I mean like nothing really dragged it was just layers of different kinds of action all the time Tora's sure, like, oh, maybe I overlooked that or misheard something or missed a part. But
2: no, it's something you pick up
0: more on and like subsequent mm-hmm. viewings. Gotcha. So do you think and I mean, I, I'm going to answer this question, but I'm also curious for you, Amanda. Do you think that watching this film multiple times and not just one sitting, but just overall is is saying that this is a good movie or there's just too much going on? Like, would you say that with too much going on, it, it can also be detrimental?
1: Um, no, I. for me, I feel like just even just now being introduced to this, um, I feel like every time you watch it, you can get something new and pick up new things. And so I feel like the film was really well done, even though there was a lot going on. But it's definitely one of those films that every time you watch it, you can probably pick up something new, a new layer, a new perspective, you know, because I'm still. Yeah, there's still bits like I have it playing in the background or I was like, I don't remember that from watching it earlier. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> right. No, I I think I'm, I'm going to answer my own question. I think that watching this film um, again, you know, not even, I'm not saying like in the same day, but just. I don't know, in a in a week, month, year, whatever, I think you will find more things to enjoy and pick up on. And that only just enriches your viewing to me. I know for a fact one film that we covered, you know, uh in our last sci-fi was Interstellar. I watched that film almost yearly because I love like seeing it from a different perspective and the science and The I mean, it's just a visually beautiful film. I mean, if you want more, uh, please go back and listen to that review with uh, Philip G. A. We had a great time with that discussion, Um, but it's just it's comfort for me to go back to a film that I've seen before and find new stuff. And it's great. And so I'm going to tell you this, Dan, I am and not to, you know, I guess, spoiler or spoil what I'm gonna say about this film later on whenever we rate it, but I I want to, I want to go back and watch this again because there is a lot that I definitely didn't pick up on. And like I mentioned in the beginning, uh the the bomb that we see, I mean, it's very well clearly not a atom bomb. Um I just want to see more of that. I I, I know that's that it's in here. So that's one thing that I want to keep in mind whenever I do go back. And I definitely could see myself recommending this to other people to check out as well. Um, Kind of like how you're doing right now, Dan. I mean, you're the whole reason why we're even doing this one.
2: And I'm glad to hear that from both of you. Because, yeah, this is one that for a long period of time I would go back and watch like, yeah, every six months to a year. And now it's every like three or four years I'll go back and watch it again. Just because, as you both are saying, there's so many layers that even first time watching you can more or less follow along what's going on but yeah you're going to have questions and that's normal to have so (laughs) so but you go back to it and watch it again and you understand a little bit more and then you do it again you get a little bit more and you're peeling back these layers like an onion and getting a more out of it more towards the core and finding the interconnective bits that are like oh yeah i didn't connect this to this in the last the first three times i saw it, but on the fourth time now i get it and it enriches the experience and makes it gives you a deeper connection to what they're going for and how all this ties together in very detailed intricate ways that is really interesting like for example um the whole with uh k her whole team and like the her whole anti-government team whatever you know initially. They're the ones that the the dude who took Takashi the first time when he like shoots the two dogs and gets murdered <laughs> gruesomely in the street by the cops and everything cuz he happens to run by an anti-government protest, right? Like did you guys understand like, oh, that guy
0: was part of her group? Nope. Yeah, that totally slipped out from under me. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, they talk about it on several occasions that uh, that guy, their their group's uh mission that time was to get into the facility and steal one of the kids and get them to fuck out so they can figure out what the hell is going on here. Doesn't go so well. And that's why then he encounters Tetsuo and why, uh, the government and the Colonel are so Johnny on the spot as soon as uh, Tetsuo's bike blows up because they're already like, it got not and everything. And that's why Kay is in the police lineup with, uh, Tetsuo or, uh, Kaneda and his gang and everything when they're being interrogated by the cops, and then he pulls her out, being like, hey, you can't leave my friend. Listen here, punk, I'm only 25! I'm not even married yet! <laughs> right. So that's how that all connects, and then her, the leader of that group, Ryu, the one that Kaneda is constantly asking her, like, so what's the deal between you two? Are you the guys, like, together or whatever? He's the guy that later on goes and sees the old government dude when, like, the coup d'etat is happening. And then he shoots him in his office, and they both die in the fucking alleyway. One from like choking on drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was another image too of like teeth crumbling. That no, no that's
2: just, no, that's like twenty fucking pills. In yeah,
1: it. it's twenty fucking pills. But yeah, it still gave me that imagery though.
2: Yeah, and like he's choking. There's just this horrible gurgling noise he's making as his heart gives out and everything. You're like, oh, that is a, ooh, that's. Fucking just shoot me in the head instead, please, for God's sake, and everything. But, like, did you understand? Because earlier on, some of the government stuff before everything goes to shit, the colonel is talking with uh, one of the other, like, government officials, and they're talking about, like, I can't believe that there's a mole, there might be a mole inside of our military organization. It's the old dude with the pills that's
1: giving it to
2: you. And that's how they knew about the kids and the baby room and everything. And that's how they kept getting their orders. And that's why they all went there in the facility when uh, Tetsuo happened to be going after the kid, the Espers in the baby room and everything. And when uh, Kay and Conrad are on like, the flying street sweeper sewer thing with the machine gun attached to it and everything. So that's how all that kind of connects together because they were getting their orders from that. And that's why the colonel uh when he's leaving uh one point when like the government dude's like hey you would be stripped to your command and placed under arrest and then just has one of his guards shoot the dude because <laughs> that's all oh. tied all to that of like the government because of the fact the executive council because oh, of the okay. fact that like this information keeps getting leaked out because we have like the the Acura cult right that's right. going on the fucking crazy priest with the insane like fucking afro or whatever that we see later on gets killed in the bridge incident and everything mm-hmm. like the information of of akira himself should is a government secret but it's been leaked out because of this old dude the one who dies of the pills in order because he's undermining the government's uh attempts to cover all this up and everything Like, there's a lot in there. There's that, like, a
1: lot in this movie. Yeah,
2: there's a lot in there that, yeah, uh, the group that Kay's with, and uh, as a result, Kaneda, and uh, the colonel, and the mole, and the anti-government organization, and protests, and everything. All that's actually tied together. And they do a good job of, like, because even though you guys didn't necessarily understand the, all those connections and everything, it still does a good job of, like, you just feel like it's world-building, right? Of Like, oh, just the city's fucking mm-hmm. falling to shit, and there's all this anti-government protests, there's a fucking crazy religious cult worshipping Akira, and I don't know how that fits in and everything. And, but, like, it just feels like good world-building as we're going along, but at the same time, it's all actually connected plot-wise to each other.
1: Yeah, very true. Very true. So that's kind of how I absorbed it. Like, I knew that these other things were happening, but I didn't know how they were all connected, but... They were just layers upon what this were our this world's uh, history was.
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm just taking it all in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel um, like like our audience too. Um, hey, give yourself a minute. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the craziest thing I think, and it's kind of like a um. A twist for us but Tetsuo goes to the lengths that he can to hunt for Akira and to find out that um, his remains have been sealed in jars for scientific research I mean that that totally got me I was like oh my gosh and so like you could feel that he was at a crossroads there he could either give up or take the whole world with him you know and I mean obviously we see what he does but That was a very powerful scene for me. What about you guys? Go ahead, Amanda.
1: Oh, uh, no, just definitely, definitely overwhelming. And uh, yeah, I feel like even though there's like so much happening in this movie, it's still trying to make some basic statements where, yeah, hey, hey, humans. If you're given the power maybe uh don't let it go to your head um -hmm. because you could bring your country down around you and uh like literally i mean it's it's basic but it's complex if that makes sense
2: no, I, mean, I totally I, get what you're saying. I feel like how that's most things are. Like, the basic form right. of something is simple, but it's how you build around it that mm-hmm. makes it either stupid or worthwhile and everything. Um, it's actually most, much worse than probably either of you realize. So, obviously, the giant explosion, the atomic explosion, quote-unquote, that starts World War Three that we see at the very beginning of the movie, that's Akira's powers, coming into fruition and Mm -hmm. out of control. Here's the thing. He wasn't dead after that. Okay. They they recovered him afterwards, alive, then dissected him.
1: Okay. Okay. So I thought, like, the the bombing at the beginning was a foreshadowing.
2: No, that was what happened.
1: Okay. That is what happened. Okay. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they, ah. after that, they found a still-alive child and then pulled him apart into a thousand different pieces.
1: And put him all in the jars.
2: hmm
1: Yay! And isn't it great to think that the Olympics are happening right now, right there? <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. I mean, you know, it, it was supposed to be 2020 initially, wasn't it? Because, and that's the year. I mean, that's the funny thing they did a bit of world building that did keep that on track the yeah, Olympics
1: that's crazy to think about
2: and it was they said it's a little over a year away so it was going to be in 2020
1: oh wow. wow oh that's so crazy
2: that and it happens to be in tokyo isn't it funny mm-hmm. how the world sometimes fucking comes full circle don't it
1: well and then now they're saying like nobody can go and watch them watch the events so i'm like oh why is that hmm maybe it's because they have a deconstructed child hiding underneath with superpowers if, super only, powers.
2: if <laughs> only the world were so interesting <laughs> but luckily for at least the morality of things and this is ties into the ending akira at that point had transcended simple physical form mm. right which is why he comes back at the end, even though he's just a bunch of parts in glass jars looking like the fucking secret of the youth from Ninja Turtles, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Thank you. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it, but
2: yeah. T-R-I.
1: Yep. <laughs> that's what it is. But man, <laughs> and that final transformation of Tetsuo, oh my gosh.
0: There was way too much to deconstruct there. It was just like, (laughs) what is coming out of this man?
2: The thing that's always grabbed me the most about it is that Mm -hmm. while these big, you know, sluggish pieces are, you know, dropping to the ground and there's all these little tendrils that are spewing that are coming out in all these different directions. If you look at especially a lot of them, they all have fingernails on them. So like Uh. all these individual tendrils are like individual fingers literally coming out as his. it's a thing of like. As his body is literally falling apart on a molecular level and mutating rapidly, like the fucking thing in John Carpenter's *The Thing*, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. still trying to retain the host body form, if you will. So it's still trying to retain like elements of humanity, but it's like someone trying to, you know, it's like you trying to fucking build a large intestine. Out of, out of, you know, whatever, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. you don't, you have an idea of what it's supposed to be because, like, you have one and you've, like, you know, pay attention to health class, but it's like, I don't know how to fuck what the fuck it really is, right? And so it's like his body's still fighting, trying to retain elements of humanity as it's literally losing it bit by bit and coming in this bloated mass. And, you know, what does it look like several times as he's this big fucking hunk of mass? a baby it's I didn't so gross yeah it's so crazy well it's the whole you know like uh you know 2001 space odyssey, odyssey mm-hmm. thing, right? immediately
0: right? thought like, of that too yeah. immediately thought of that when i saw that imagery i was like oh my god another film that uh has like transcended you yeah. know
2: exactly and that's that is very intentional and it's definitely harkening back to 2001 because obviously mm-hmm. that came out well before this did and everything but i mean, it yeah it's it's fucking grotesque and horrifying it's
1: so grotesque yeah
2: especially as like everybody's being absorbed and you're like not sure what's looking at what and you see poor
0: cowrie just get fucking crushed to death oh my and, like, god like, i was chamber. i i thought that she had a chance of living
1: i then, thought so too
0: Yeah, Mm. because, you know, you see uh, Kaneda, like, he's in there, too, with her. And I'm like, okay, he's going to get her out. Everything's going to be okay. And then, I mean, it's just, like, the sounds with the imagery. I was just sitting there, like, like, my mouth was open. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, you can hear in Tetsuo's voice, he's he's lost control. And he just, he wanted, and he's, like, when he says, look, I'm, like, scrambling all over here. Uh, but whenever he says like he can feel her, you know, it is just her uh, pain well. is
2: going inside of me. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like he absorbs
2: uh, her as she's dying, and now feels her pain through him, along with everything else that's happening. Like, oh, that's that's not good.
1: <laughs> that's not good. It's so sad. Oh, uh, but yeah. man, just. Well, and that's the thing too is like, because um, just the graphics and, and images, cause you know where he's like hallucinating in the beginning parts. So when other things started happening, I'm like, so is this real or is this a hallucination sort of thing? But then it like goes past that obviously. And it's like, nope, this is for real happening. This is a real thing going on. <laughs> so I kind yeah. of liked that little, that mind trickery that it kind of did.
0: I know, yeah, because like you said, Dan, I mean, this was kind of foreshadowed um, earlier whenever he was freaking out. And so part of me did think, oh, well, you know, like he's going to snap out of it and he's just going to be freaking out. But no, this this is real.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and because if you think about it, after the confrontation with the kids and not the baby room, but in his hospital room, when, you know, they come at him with the the bear, the bunny in the car, like nothing after that is a hallucination. Everything else mm-hmm. actually happens. You know, he right. steps out of the room and like there's the guards and then he just kind of force pushes them into the walls. And there's just a fucking horrible, bloody mess. And that happens multiple occasions to a lot of people. And you're just like, oh, oh, this is, oh no, this, we're, we're fucked. Right. And just, you know, mm-hmm. And then it goes on a bit of a, you know, it's the power of revenge fancy, right? Taking out all my aggression on all the people who did me wrong and society's fault and this and that and yada, yada. It's the, because, you know, he's never deliberately going after people, but it's always like the military and the government officials and the people standing in his way to try to stop him from whatever he wants, which at that point is just finding Akira because you think that's going to hold the answers and everything, right? and like you know it's it's a grotesque version of that power fantasy that we've seen played out in a multitude of different kinds of media over the years but like because of how brutal it constantly is it's always reminding you like oh no this is bad this is a right. bad thing that's mm-hmm. happening do not revel in this or anything like he is and like even after he loses his arm against Saul and constructs yeah that fucking robot arm and that's the thing that's starts falling apart because the drugs start wearing off which by the way the drugs are why like the espers the three children look like they do okay that's that's the side effect of like the drugs they use to kind of like keep their power partially under control but at this point i i'm pretty sure the it's never specifically said but what it is is that was a side effect of the drugs as like their powers were maturing and developing and while they were being studied they're still in the facility obviously because they can't be let out in the world because of how they look right? right but but they're no longer taking the the esper children are no longer taking the drugs because their powers have hit their what they're going to be but they're permanently going to look like that because of the effects of the drugs while they were as we saw at the ending when like Canada's in there and he sees uh Tetsuo's memories as a child and then sees them in Akira's childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, during that period of time, like, when they're first being studied and they have the helmets on, they're taking the drugs to try to keep those powers under control and everything. That's the side effect of that. And then he and Tetsuo, if he had stayed in the facility, kept taking the drugs, would have looked like that, too, eventually. Okay. And with, hopefully, their goal would have been to let these powers mature to what they are, but controlled over time and hopefully not have, you know, all of this happen.
1: Ah, that's well, that, crazy.
2: That work. <laughs> no, it turns nope. out it did not work because he did not stay in bed. Nope. And to be fair, that's the fucking Esper's fault because they assaulted them with teddy bears in a car. Right.
1: Eh, that's true that's true and milk
2: lots, of, <laughs> lots and lots of milk so um i'm a, if i will if i may quite i know it's your show and everything but uh to explain the ending the end ending because i'm sure there's a few questions mm-hmm. you both have in regards to wtf mate yeah
0: by all means man
2: so obviously tetzel's powers have gone completely out of control Literally, because his body is falling apart and mutating and so forth. The three children, they go to the, you know, pieces of Akira, and they literally summon him, kind of. They reawaken him. uh, So that, because as I said earlier, he's at this point when they found him, when his powers awakened, in 1988, when the fucking nuke goes off and destroys Tokyo. It's his powers, obviously. And at that point because of it his powers like his powers were out of control which is why it blew up like that but at the same time his powers manifested to the point where he's basically Doctor Manhattan from the Watchmen at that point of like he has you know incredible amounts of power and can do almost anything he sees things outside of time. So he, it is, you know, they talk about it at some point in the movie about, like, should we be messing with that ultimate power, the power of a god, you mean? Because he definitely, he basically has godlike powers. So he transcended physical form, and even though they dissected his body, he still remained, but cut off from the world. The three children then, with using Tetsuo's power, which is similar to Akira's, going out of control to kind of thinned the veil in between the space where akira exists and we exist so they were able to then summon him back he then absorbs all of tetsuo's power which is why as the explosion starts happening we see tetsuo's grotesque form start shrinking back and we actually see his face and everything again right because he's Mm -hmm. absorbing all of tetsuo's power
1: that's him absorbing everything okay
2: yes akira is absorbing all of it which also still ends up destroying most of the city, but, you know, there's only so much you can siphon off and some of it still has to go outward or just you can't siphon it all off or whatever, right? But so ultimately what happens, like when there's the tiny little ball of light that uh, Kaneda grabs and then it's just gone, is the children, Akira, and Tetsuo leave back to the other dimension, more or less, where Akira was. And then Tetsuo, if you notice in the credits at the beginning, we're seeing, like, this crazy pattern, and then we're seeing, like, galaxies fly by. I don't know if you guys watched through the credits or not.
1: Watched it, but definitely at that point, my brain was like, what did I just watch?
2: Okay. (laughs) So, you know, like, the last line is, like, I am Tetsuo, right? Right? Mm -hmm. That's basically Akira took all of them, plus Tetsuo, into a new... Dimension, think of it like the DC Universe uh, multiverse idea. They birth a new universe. Tetsuo, by Akira bringing him out of our world, takes him to a new universe and creates a new Big Bang, creates a whole new universe with life. Okay. It's very weird and a bit complicated to all of it, but also there's lines in there like, Hey, Kay, Kanada, your wannabe girlfriend, we through all this process when like Kyoko has been psychically manipulating her, we unlock <laughs> psychic powers too. So she's got psychic <laughs> powers that are going to develop as well.
1: Okay. Um. So then my question is, um, looking at the timeline, the manga was not finished before they finished this film, correct?
2: Oh, the manga is very different. Okay. Akira in the so, manga. So they, Akira so is they kind not- of a. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, in the manga, Akira is still alive as a person, and he. Oh wow. But like the incident that happened initially when his powers awoken left him like per without a personality, so he's just kind of a blank slate. So like Tetsuo, quote unquote, rescues him and they form this like mental bond, and like Tetsuo is basically using him as like a weapon it's at one point and everything. There's a lot of differences that I can't really get into because it'd be going and there'd have to be another like two hours into this podcast. And I don't think we want to do all that. Um, <laughs> but like it is extremely different. But, but, you know, the, the ride of the manga. I don't have his name pulled up at the moment. Katsuhiro Otomo. Thank you, me. Uh, he, when they approached him to make the movie, he was like, alright, only if I retain creative control. So, knowing that this is a one-off and everything, he's like, I have a different idea for the manga, and that's going to go somewhere else, but here's, if we're doing it like this, here's what I want. So, this is not a, like, bastardization or anything. This was his decision to do it this way for the (sighs) movie.
1: Maybe they should have Game of Thrones should have taken a couple notes
0: then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and talking to us about a movie that, like I said, I would have never seen and realized how much of a classic it is in the world. Um, so, like, I really I really hope, you know, we really appreciate that.
2: Hey, man, if I'm good for anything, it's showing people either semi-obscure or really, really obscure shit that no one else has ever fucking seen.
0: <laughs> I'll take it. But before we do anything else, we have to make sure we rate this thing. Yep. So I'm curious. One out of three reels. Let's go ahead and start with Amanda.
1: Yeah, I'll give this a, a 2.5. Just because I feel like I need to watch this again to unpack it even more. Um, and it was an entertaining watch. Super weird and wild, and I was kind of wanting to watch an animated sci fi for this go around. So this definitely hit that box. So
0: <laughs> perfect. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. I wanna I wanna save yours for last, Dan. Right, um, we're all in suspense of what mine's gonna be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Dan I'm hated to, it. He hates it. <laughs> horrible. I'm going to have to give this one uh, 2.9. Um, and the only reason I'm giving it a 2.9 is not to best Amanda, I promise, um, but kind of going what she said. I really enjoyed this film. I think it's really good, and I could see myself um, recommending this to a lot of people. Um, but the only thing is it's just so jam packed and you really got to do your homework um you got to really make sure you're paying attention this is not a film to just put on and while you're doing something else like you got to focus and you know d- that comes with it but then you got to think man you got to really be in the mood for a type of film like this and so i'm giving it 2.9 because i'm going to go back and watch it more and more um, but it's just so dense with everything that it throws at you but that's not a bad thing that's why it's not anything lower um so i'm gonna just stay right there what about you dan
2: oh well i mean you know i mean this movie is, i mean it's okay right you know obviously i'm giving it a, i'm giving it a full three i mean i'd give it a four if i could i mean this is like i said this Brought me into a much larger genre that was ripe for me, but I just had to be introduced to it first. Right. And this obviously did that. And yeah, this movie and I'm, I am like what both of you said, you know, you didn't either of you gave it a three because in all honesty, I don't feel like you could either of you could possibly give it a three because you got to go back and watch it again and like see the bigger the different pieces that connect it all to each other. And I feel like that's a very mature way of looking at it. Like, Hey, I really liked it, but I think I need to see it a couple more times to really know if it gets to a three and everything. And yeah, I think you both will watching it one more time, two more times. We'll get to that three easily. And I think that's the beauty of this movie because it's so jam packed. It's so deep. It's so, Interconnect in ways that you won't see the first time around because you're just trying to, especially if you're not familiar with this genre at all, of like anime and everything, you're not going to necessarily understand and be expecting it to be as complex as it can be at times. But yeah, and I'm glad to hear that you guys both really enjoyed it. And obviously, it's a three for me, three plus, and everything. And while I'm still here, real quick, I would recommend to both of you a couple more uh, anime movies as well. One officer standalone that I think you guys would get enjoyment out of on a similar vein towards this. That's like cyberpunk and sci-fi futuristic stuff. The original ghost in the shell movie is a must see. And then I would of course do something like your name. Uh, I would go to some of the Miyazaki stuff like spirited away and princess Mononoke or Howl's moving castle as well. So there's a lot out there. If you want something a little more, uh crazy amanda as reference because we recently or a while back we covered moon over tau makaraka with phil Mm -hmm. Deshaun. that movie our episode of it just came out earlier today uh movie ninja scroll uh i would possibly recommend it something that's kind of similar to that it's got like the crazy no giant monsters or anything but it's got like the crazy like samurai ninja power stuff and everything so i would recommend that for someone like you as well if you want to get a little bit more into that kind of realm. but yeah
0: i mean that's there it is
1: cool <laughs>
0: well dan thank you so much and for everybody right now uh, as of this recording akira is on hulu the sub and dubbed version so please check it out um, easy, easy way to check it out or buy it, whatever, YouTube, you know, you can always check it out. Um, but yeah, so other than that, I don't know if there's anything else we need to say about this film. Dan, dude, thank you so much for being on here, man.
2: It's always a joy hanging out with you guys, man. You know, I, I miss yeah. having our talks and everything, and uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on our show sometime in the near future, Quinn.
0: Oh my gosh, please. I saw that you guys put up that New checklist. I just haven't had a chance to get on there and and really look at stuff because we're almost halfway through that uh batch, by the way. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe I need to get on there then. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. Any anytime you guys need a need a guest or anything, just hit me up. Um, I always love watching those obscure films or just any kind of kaiju because, like I said. I mean, Dan, you're the reason why I even decided to watch all these Godzilla films. And I'm really thankful that I am. I'm really grateful that I know somebody that is so well-versed in that. And I can kind of fall back on to just give me the scoop. And uh, just know I, I appreciate that. So. See, Amanda,
2: there's someone who appreciates
0: what I bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it'll, it'll be it'll be fine when we when I finally get these under my belt and we can get on the mic and shoot the shit. Oh, absolutely.
2: You know, when you get there, you get there and I'm more than happy to talk about it.
0: Perfect. Well, other than that, I don't know if there's anything else that needs to be said other than make sure to check out the leftover army monster all out attack podcast. Um, Amanda, do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off?
1: No, uh, not with this film, no. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, so we will be back. Uh, we will be doing another film, Alien, with our own Rebecca Daling. We're so excited about that. So until next time, we will see you later. And like always, keep it real.